forever. Dog. I have not thought that much mm-hmm. about the future. Although I have this pet idea, I'd love to. Uh, I haven't really thought that deeply about it, but I'd love to do a. It'd be fun to have a Saul Goodman spinoff, like a half-hour Saul Goodman show, of of oh a guy God. who's a, like a single camera, but but some <laughs> something where basically I guess it could be an hour, but something where Saul Goodman is because uh, we love the character and we love Bob Odenkirk, really? and it could be a lot funnier than it could be out and out funny. But I love the idea of a of a lawyer who is. Uh, is so allergic to courtrooms that the you know the, it's a law show that never ever sets foot in a courtroom. You know they'll really? settle on the courthouse steps or whatever. Like he'll do anything to stay yeah. out because the judges all know his his uh, his tricks. So it's like you know, something like that. I keep think. That's thinking. That was a recording from one of my earlier chats with Vince Gilligan. Um, it was the first time that we sat down one-on-one, and that was in March of 2012, which was episode 30 of the Writers' Panel, if you want to go back and listen to it. Um, and that was right before the final season of Breaking Bad. Um, and you can see already they were talking about Better Call Saul. They were getting ready for this show. Um, It's interesting. Um, Hi, this is Ben Blacker. I'm the creator and host of the Writers' Panel. Um, It's been really neat uh, talking with the folks behind Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul for over 10 years. Um, Saul co-creator Peter Gould was first on the show in 2011. Um. And then Vince was first on for the first time a couple months after that. And uh, if you want to hear that Peter episode, it's really fun. Uh, it's the it's episode 10 of this podcast. And that, yeah, that was more than a decade ago. Uh, I've been checking in with the folks behind Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul for over a decade. Um, we've had some really interesting and fun conversations. They're always a pleasure to talk to. Um, they're so thoughtful about what they do and about how their room works, uh, which we get into a little bit on today's podcast also. Um, I wanted to play a few more clips from uh, these past conversations. I think they're really interesting considering, you know, the journey that these writers have been on for the most part together. It's been sort of a core group of them um, for the entire run and even, you know, a a bigger group for all of Better Call Saul. So this clip is from um, another interview I did with Vince. Um, This was episode 89 of the podcast. This was from um, 2013. Just to give you some context, Saul started in 2015. So this was between the two shows. Um, By this time, Breaking Bad... um, I think had ended, we might have done it a little before the end of the series, but it was around the end of the series. um, And I was talking to Vince for Fast Company magazine. Um, Again, we put this out, it was episode 89. Um, And I asked him, 
um, about these future plans, you know, that he had mentioned this Saul Goodman spinoff, uh, and this is this is what he had to say. Yeah. Uh, is this something you guys are talking about? Uh, we are we are in very very early stages. Uh, nothing is 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 sure. concrete yet. But but I can just speak for myself and say that I would love to see uh, a Saul Goodman show. I would love so to funny. live a little longer with Saul Goodman. Uh, <laughs> Who wouldn't? Yeah, he's. I got to tell you, Bob Odenkirk is so damn funny, and he's such a pleasant. Yeah, guy, uh, he's such a and he works so hard. He's so enthusiastic. He's just there's no reason not to want to keep working with him. Yeah. Although to be fair, there's no reason not to keep, <laughs> right. want to keep working with any of these wonderful actors we've had in this ensemble. But you uh, kill them all off in the end, right? Well, yeah, they're all dead except for him. Sorry, yeah. internet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I'd love to see it happen, and uh, and so we're we're taking some uh, we're some steps toward toward uh, seeing if we can do that. There's so many questions uh, that arise uh, uh, about you know how would we approach this, but I'm hoping I want to keep as much of the old gang together as possible, mm-hmm. and 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 starting with Peter Gould, yeah. who who created the character of Saul Goodman. Uh, it was his episode, uh, episode he wrote in which Saul first appeared, mm-hmm. and I'd love to work with uh, Peter on this and and have us come up with something fun and something very much in the Breaking Bad vein or spirit. But but I would think, just by its very nature, uh, quite a bit less dark. Sure. Although I'd be so fascinating. It'd be though. fun. It'd be fun. It, it, uh, I think, uh, it, and not to say it wouldn't be dark at all. There's there's got to be darkness in that world. But I just I don't know if it'd be as bone crushingly dark right. as. <laughs> Maybe not so grim. Yeah. Dark, but yeah, not yeah, grim. Yeah, yeah, Dark, but not grim. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. Like and, dark yeah, chocolate. Exactly. Dark chocolate's not grim. It's yeah. just dark. And it goes down easy. Yes. Um, and, and Peter's such a comedy fan, I know, too. And such a wonderful writer and a wonderful uh, wonderful sense of story, mm-hmm. uh, of, of the globalness of, of the, the story uh, that we're telling. The, the, he, he sees the whole chessboard, as it were. He's, he's uh, wonderful. I, you know, all my writers. I want to work with all of them uh, going forward because they are all, they all have their different strengths and they all have their different personalities and they're and they're uh, just a great bunch of people who I hope I am uh, in touch with and working with for for as long as I'm around. Um, after Saul started, I stayed in touch with the writers, and um, the plan was to do a sort of season wrap up at the end of each season um we only got to do it a couple of times but i think you know we sort of hit the high points of the series so the first time we got together was we did a live panel um after season one of the show which would have been in 2015 and this was episode 190 um if you want to go check it out we had um a few of the writers who had all been there from the breaking bad days um Saul co-creator Peter Gould, Tom Schnauz, who is on today's recording also, Jenny Hutchison, who um, is a terrific writer and a lovely person who had has since left the show. She left, I think, around season four. I may be wrong about that. Um, Gordon Smith, who had been there from the very beginning um, from Breaking Bad. And then we had special guest Michael McKeon, who was obviously new to the Breaking Bad Better Call Saul universe. Um, and I had asked... Early on, um, this was Peter's take on how the Saul show got started. It was more of a like an extended joke that morphed <laughs> into an actual an actual show. And, and Vince would always he would say this, and 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 it was it was a writers' room joke 
that uh, you know if we can't do this here, we'll do it on the on the Saul Goodman show eventually. And I didn't. I took it seriously, but not that seriously sure. because, for the simple reason that it seemed too good to be true. In this episode um, that I did after season one with these folks, um, Peter asked a question that was sort of a touchstone for our conversations going forward. Um, And I want to play you that right now because it comes up quite a few times. There was a question we used to ask ourselves, what problem does becoming Saul Goodman solve? (laughs) And we went back. That's a really hard question. (laughs) And it's not one that we've, not one that we've, solved to our satisfaction. So it's interesting to hear that even after season one, as they sort of found their way with the character, they started to understand who this character was, how this story was going to be told. They still didn't know how Jimmy became Saul. Um, And that's obviously a simple way of putting it, as you'll hear after listening to today's episode. Um, Something that's also worth mentioning, which has sort of been part of my conversations with Vince and then subsequently with Peter, um, is how story is broken in the Breaking Bad and Saul rooms. Um, These rooms sound incredible. And you'll hear in today's podcast, and you really hear in all of the episodes I've done with these folks, um, how much they love working with each other and... (laughs) Like, how the dynamic in the room um, forced them to be better. Um, here's, here's a clip uh, that talks about that. And I think everyone was invited to push on story or push on character and kind of make sure it all holds up and everyone likes where it's going. I think if one person had a problem in the room, we didn't move on until yeah. we sort of settled that. And that's unusual. Yeah, in and TV sometimes rooms. it was, uh, you know... 12 Angry Men, the, the, one, the one person would hold out and we would all suddenly realize, wait a minute, we're wrong and that person's right. So it was a good process. It was interesting talking over the years um, with these folks about how they did figure out this story and what the wrong roads were. And you'll hear some of that in today's episode. But I wanted to play this clip, which I thought was really interesting. Um, this is two clips. One is about definitely a wrong take on the character that they had initially. Um, And then the second one I included here because uh, if you've seen the finale, and if you haven't seen the finale, you should not listen to this episode. Uh, But if you've seen the finale, they talk about this thing that was, you know, that was not right for season one, this thing that they wanted to include in season one, that eventually now in season six and the season finale made its way into the show. So here are two quick clips about developing Jimmy. Very early on, he was a straight-out ambulance chaser. I mean, we had him actually following an ambulance and crashing into it at one point at a hospital. The Jimmy McGill you meet has many ways to cut corners around every meal. And uh, so he has, he has, he has some, some great corners to cut. And we'll see if he if he he may get he may he talked get... about collecting ice from hotels, which was another thing oh, that's that was in, a, right. that's in an episode, but we cut it. That's true. Um, but we that's decided that he was still. That's where he was getting his ice. That's from. right. We actually had him. We had him get chased out of hotels while he was putting the ice in the garbage bags. Yes. And so it was having all of the writers there that it started to become Jimmy's story rather than Saul's story. I don't remember the conversation, but I, I do remember there was a moment when we were putting up cards, and Vince had been writing Saul 
for all the cards. And there was a moment when he started writing Jimmy instead of Saul. And we started referring to him as Jimmy in the room. Um, So so hearing about that season one process and the writers really figuring it out um, in the room leading up to production, uh, it seems like around episode seven, things started to coalesce. Um, But when they came into it, you know, there was always this push and pull about when would Saul emerge? What were people's expectations? What were their expectations? What was satisfying? Here's here's a quick clip. I would have bet any amount of money that he was going to be Saul Goodman by the end of season really? one. Really? Yeah. I thought it was worth including this also um, as they talked about developing Kim's character um, early on in that first season. And, you know, not really knowing who she was but picking out the things that started to help define her. And even the character Kim, we didn't really set off saying, okay, they are definitely had this kind of relationship. We're still talking about what was their past relationship? How close did they get or not get? And so those things are still under discussion. That's, and the which is really cool because I, I, like it, it makes that relationship feel very real, as if they don't know. Yeah. You know, I think that, again, it's a relationship we haven't really seen on TV. And yet they're very, very comfortable with each other, yeah. which is, you know, you find out from, you know, the cigarette, that cigarette moment in episode one. Yeah. And I think there was something to that cigarette moment that, you know, they responded to, that we responded to. And there's a reason that image came back around um, even in the finale. You know, there's something really special about what they discovered there. Lastly, from this season one recording, I want to play you this clip that is um, talking about the end of the series. Like, they they knew they were a ways off. They didn't know how many seasons they were going to go for. But I asked about structure and, you know, having an end goal in mind, even as they knew where Saul's story ended. I'm not entirely sure we know where this story ends, honestly. Like, we've talked about options of, oh, are we going to... Are we going to tell sort of the, you know, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern version where we see behind the scenes of what happened from Saul's point of view during Breaking Bad? I think uh, in today's episode, you'll hear us, and Peter mentions this a few times, we get very heady. We get very philosophical talking about the character. And I think, you know, now that we have perspective on it, we can do that. But, but these conversations were going on throughout the series. Um, so I want to play you this clip that I thought was really interesting about the way they approached Jimmy and Saul, and eventually Gene, too. Um, This is, again, from right after season one of Better Call Saul. It's an ongoing debate that we have almost every day, is is some version of, is character, are, are we revealing Saul Goodman, or is he becoming Saul Goodman through those choices that Peter was talking about? Is this, is... Is character destiny? Is is it is it is he is it there fully formed, and we're just waiting to see it come out? Or are, is this journey that we're, he's on? Is it is, was there a chance for him to not be Saul Goodman? Is, and we, we is, don't know. Chuck's- so this idea of who is Jimmy, who is Saul, you know, all this stuff has been part of the conversation obviously, throughout the series. Um, and it and it's a shifting thing. It's something that is sort of being figured out as they go because he's a complicated character. And 
the writers love him, which is really kind of amazing. Um, and to me, I think that we didn't get to talk about this, but I think that's part of why um, it took so long to get to Saul. Um, and I think to me that was, it, it took the right amount of time. Um, I think if it had been sooner, it would have, would not have been satisfying. Um, cause I think we all love Jimmy. Um, so I, I next talked with the writer's room, uh, following season three of Better Call Saul. That was in June or July of 2017. And some interesting stuff came out then. Um, They started thinking about where this was going. They started thinking about more deeply about who Jimmy is, who Saul is. Um, Here's here's a clip um, from right after season three um, comparing Walter White and Jimmy. And, And this is something we touch on in today's episode also. For me, Walter White, what happened with him was a revelation of who he really was. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Jimmy, it's, it's it, you know, we're kind of killing Jimmy, yeah. you know? And so it is inherently a different story and, and thus a more tragic one. And I did, you know, ask Peter to address the question he had asked following season one, which is also a question that we talk about today. Um, what problem does becoming Saul Goodman solve? And was that que- was that answer to that question now at the end of season three any clearer to him? And here was Peter's response: It is clearer now, um, but it also there's uh, it's not a it's not a happy story. It's not funny uh, how he becomes Saul Goodman. Even though Saul Goodman, I think, is inherently he's an amusing character. It's not a it's not a uh, it's it's a story that that I find painful. So they were circling this ending. They knew where, finally they knew where they were going. They knew how Saul was going to emerge. Um, And it came down to, well, I'll I'll play this clip. And, and, you know, I think this is as good as an, an explanation as any. And that's what the show is about in a lot of ways is untethering Jimmy because why does someone turn into Saul? And we have a lot of theories about that. You know, Peter always says it's like, uh, are you running away from something or towards something? So I think, you know, they were sort of, by this time, they had figured out exactly how dark this show was, what the tragedy of this show was, even as it could be incredibly funny. Um, They realized that, you know, they were going to, in many ways, a much more, a darker and more complicated place than Breaking Bad had ever gone. Um, you know, Better Call Saul is in so many ways a more of a tragedy, right? It doesn't have that operatic, uh, I would almost say heroism that Breaking Bad had. Um, it's something very different, and it's something that um, you rarely see on television. Um, and that's part of what makes it kind of so incredible. Um, so we talk about all this stuff in today's episode. Um, I really have to thank the Better Call Saul writers, um, as well as the assistants, not just right now, uh, who helped me set this up, um, but 
over the years. Uh, they've been incredibly nice, incredibly giving of their time, all of these folks, um, when they didn't have to be for this silly podcast. Um, and it was really a joy coming together with all of them. Um, so I want to thank all of them. I want to, especially Jen Carroll, uh, who from very early on has been so helpful and so kind and such a cheerleader for um, not just, you know, having me into the Breaking Bad and Saul offices to talk to these folks, but for the podcast itself. Uh, she's like hit me with ideas for guests uh, going back 10 years about. So thank you, Jen. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I'm glad we're friends. It's I'm glad to have known all of these folks, uh, and I hope to encounter them soon. Uh, thanks for indulging uh, this introduction. It really felt like the culmination of 10 years of work in talking to these terrific folks. Uh, I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. how podcast starts. We're just going to roll right in. What I'm going to do to start us off is things a little differently. Um, I'm here with the folks behind Better Call Saul, um, which just last night, as of our recording, had its series finale. Congratulations to all of you. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves on the microphone, and we're going to start by, uh, because most of you have been on this podcast before, the folks know you. They know what your voice sounds like. Uh, tell me who you are um, and tell me uh, what you are watching on television these days. Any movies you want to recommend, any TV you've seen, anything you're excited about. And Peter, I'm starting with you, so think fast. This is horrible. I, I'm The best best answer I ever heard for this was Michael McKeon, who rattled off a series of shows <laughs> that at the time I thought I thought he was making up the titles <laughs> Last so Tango too. in Halifax <laughs> uh, but it turns out they're all real shows yeah. uh, I can't think of what am I watching uh, hmm. we watched the Bureau the, the Bureau the Bureau which just I, that's still staying with me yeah uh, and everybody here is kind of shaking their heads because I was still talking <laughs> I was talking about that a year ago uh, this was a pandemic watch. I that was assume. it was a it was for so many. Of watched us. it twice actually. Oh wow! So you know I'll, that's I'm, instead of watching new things, I'm watching old things twice. <laughs> that's fair. This is Peter Gould, by the that's way, right. the co-creator oh, Peter Gould, of yes. Better Call Saul. Tom, get with it, Peter. Uh, my name is Tom Schnauz, and uh, we're watching. Uh, we're loving the rehearsal. Oh yeah, that's right. And uh, Good one. we love what we do in the shadows. Good answer. We're big Mark Brooks fans, who of yes. course has been on the show, and uh, we. We're digging that show. Yeah. Correct answers. Hi, I'm Ann Cherkis. Um, I've been watching uh, Only Murders in the Building. Great. Which I love. So great. And uh, I also have been watching What We Do in the Shadows. That's my favorite right now. Um, I started watching Loot mm -hmm. because I love Maya Rudolph. Um, there are probably others, but those are the 
the ones right yeah, now. Yeah, good answers. A lot, a lot of comedies mm-hmm. going on over here. Yeah. Gordon, what are you watching? We're watching The Boys right now, uh, and we're watching we're watching a lot of Taskmaster, the British show, uh, the British panel show, which is. Uh, I think our our editor Joey Reinish recommended it to us as as well as other people, and he described it as a comedy version of Saw, which seems <laughs> about right. Um, and uh, also mixing in occasionally for just pure comfort, uh, Joe Para talks with you, which is I recommend to right. everybody, and yeah. it's just a beautiful, weird, almost indescribable show. <laughs> so good. Hi, I'm Allison. Uh, we. Are watching the bear we really enjoyed the bear the best I really liked it I lived in Chicago for a few years and so felt nostalgic in that way too and some of my good buddies from halt and catch fire have created paper girls uh, which I just started watching and seems really great and this is I'm late to the party on this one but with my teenage daughter who can be a little bit finicky. We started watching the other two. I think oh, Gordon, yeah. so good. Gordon and Jen's recommendation. Yeah. So great. Where's in, Where's the next season? Why don't they hurry I, up? I hope <laughs> more I episodes hope soon. Very enjoyable, and so brief. It is. <laughs> it's so brief. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good ones. Yes. Take us home. Uh, I'm Ariel. Um, we are also watching What We You in the Shadows. I'm also watching um, Trying, an mm-hmm. Apple TV show. It's a great show. Really heartwarming. Right. Good stuff. And uh, rewatching Doctor Who. <laughs> nice. In, in anticipation yes. of the new season. Very excited. Yeah, yeah. That'll be great. Great. Uh, thank you all for being here. Um, uh, we've met over the years a number of times, uh, this group, uh, to talk on this podcast. And we met um, after the first season of Better Call Saul. And you were at the time circling the question what problem does becoming Saul Goodman solve? It felt like you were still figuring it out at that time. We met again in after season three of Saul, and you were not happy about the answer. You had the answer, and you said you were sad about it. Do you recall, I mean, this was now five years ago, at least. Do you recall what you all were circling mid-series for the answer to that question? And is it the answer that we saw last night or in the past few weeks? I mean, uh, I, I mean, I, I do kind of recall that. I think it is pretty much the answer that we've been developing since then, which mm-hmm. is Saul, the problem Saul Goodman solves is what do you do when your heart breaks? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and what what or when you have no human connection and you you need to numb that uh, it's it's almost a willful obliteration of any good qualities <laughs> in yourself because somebody else has told you there are no good qualities in you it's it's a, a numbing agent which i think was a big change i think when we started there was kind of there was almost when we asked that question it was like it was almost a question that was like what market forces would would create Saul Goodman what's the niche that he would he would occupy that would make him this kind of lawyer and then i think it became by about season 3 when we started seeing our way into post chuck life and thinking like what would happen what's left he's got this one connection to kim what happens if we lose that uh that started to be clearer like okay this is a this is a not a this is not a happy choice i think it's this is not a happy or like positive or breezy choice it's a it's a it's a a, a terrible choice i think as we went on we kept piling on more things onto this character jimmy mcgill 
more horrible things. And after each one, we we're like, not quite enough, not quite enough. And we kept pushing it and pushing it. And I think when we finally got to the the breakup scene, that felt like, okay, this is the moment. This really felt the the 2001 moment where the the caveman throws the bone up in the air. That's and we cut, and he's he's Saul Goodman. When I started on the show, which was late in season four, I was searching hard for clues to help me understand and and sort of get up to speed. And there's a card on the wall in the writer's room that was there permanently, kind of on high, that said, the mask becomes the man. And that was, I'm, I'm sure that's been mentioned on this podcast before, but it, it was already there and, and it it proved to be true and was kind of, I think, a big part of the story that we continue to tell. That that reminds me, let me find this note. I, I made this note because Gordon had brought this up in one of our conversations about whether or not Saul was something that Jimmy became or was Saul in there waiting to come out. And I'm curious to hear about those conversations. And like, is there an answer? Did you land on an answer? I mean, there was a pitch where early on we thought, okay, he's going to become, become Saul Goodman to keep Kim away on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we went away from that in the end uh, after we the story developed the way it, it did. And, uh, you know, the way we always write is we let the characters take us the direction we need to go. And, uh, you know, so that idea of him becoming Saul Goodman to keep Kim safe or chase her away because he's no good for her, you know, went went away, and we ended up where we did. Yeah, I, it, it's it's you know it's the same question that we used to ask on Breaking Bad, which was you know was Walt was 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 you know the evil Walt the Heisenberg always curled up inside the milk toast. I I, I I'm starting to think I'm starting to think that's the wrong way to think of it. It, it doesn't feel right to me. I I feel like all everybody has a social mask. I think we all have personas that we've, and especially as you get older, you develop a persona and you kind of stick with it. Uh, But I don't think that's, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. And I think, so I think, you know, I don't think he's that unique in a way really, because he's just sort of stuck in a permanent adolescence where he's trying, just as, as you do when you're, when you're young, you try on different versions of yourself and, and see what works. And he, you know, Saul Goodman is sort of the sum total of his worst impulses. And he, he I think he was always there. I, it, so I think that it's, it's calling yourself Gene Takovic or, or, or Saul Goodman or Jimmy McGill. Um, I think those are meaningful because those are, but I think they're ultimately, you know, it's a slice of who he is and how he's going to live. Uh, but it, and that's something I just came to pretty recently because even when we were talking about breaking bad we were still thinking well walt was always like this uh and maybe maybe that's true too but i think for this show the mask metaphor is maybe more appropriate yeah that's one thing i liked about the there's the line in the finale right which is walt looks at him when he's telling the story about being slipping i did a slip and fall way back and he's ugh so you've always been like this and we've seen this whole swath of life where it's like that's so inaccurate. Like, if I think if you'd seen that scene during Breaking Bad, if that if, that, if we'd seen that moment at the time in Breaking Bad, we'd have been like, oh, clearly Saul Goodman's—he's just always been a scumbag. But I think it plays 
ironically in the context of the whole series where it's where you've seen all these masks and you've seen him just trying trying on different things to try and get to some some authenticity within himself and some some mask that fits mm-hmm. um so it's well, it's an interesting like i think that raises another question which is like what is what is jimmy looking for you know what who is this guy what is the core of him um and you know it's a testament to bob that physically he changes you know like we when we see him become gene even in that moment in that you know flashback scene he becomes slipping Jimmy for that split second, and it's fascinating to watch. Like, this is why the guy should get an Emmy. Um, but but what conversations did you all have about who this person is? Who is the man inside, you know, behind all of these masks? Peter always said, and I, I think we all agreed, that Jimmy wanted to be loved. Jimmy mm-hmm. wants to be loved. Walt wanted to be respected. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy wanted to be loved. And that that was, it's of course not the only defining difference. Sure. Um, but that, that that guided us yeah. a lot of the time. And that's an important thing, right, for, for your, a character that you're going to explore over multiple seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think also in terms of Chuck, he also, I mean, wanted to be respected. And he never got that. So there is a little bit of that. But I think that mostly pertains to Chuck. Mm-hmm. Something that. No, I, <laughs> I, I think that these characters, uh, now that it's over and we finished, I'm, I'm, my perspective is shifting a little bit. Although I think that the word, I, the thing I always think about is that characters are looking for um, significance. You know, they want to like, it, it, you know, it's interesting. We're, we're kind of, it's kind of heady the way we're talking about these characters. Uh, and, and it's some of our conversation in the room was like that. It was very, you know, it's, it's like a conclave of, of psychologists or, or religious, religious figures, but then it goes, then it goes to fart jokes and, and shitting through sunroofs very fast. <laughs> But yeah, it's, I mean, what Allison said is right. He wanted love, but it's weird because the character, he got the love of his mother and Chuck didn't. And it caused a competition there that he ultimately couldn't get the respect of his brother. It's, I think it's very multi-layered and complex and, um, which is the way life is. It should be that way. It shouldn't be an easy answer for this question. But it's so rare that you get to explore that in a television show. That's true. You know, with such nuance and such uh, uh, um, be- com- com- complications. In between the boner pill commercials. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Part of what was so fun about writing the show is that the characters had many layers and, as we used to say, contain multitudes. So they didn't have to be just one thing, yeah. which feels very true to all of us. Absolutely. It's funny because that might sound like it was slippery for us. And and I think the funny thing was I felt like we had less searching on this show for trying to understand Jimmy than we did with Walt. Walt was Walt was we would get stuck and and think about what is what does he want? And uh, this show, it never felt I think I think Kim (laughs) Kim was Kim. I think we would not get stuck, but I think, oh, well, 
everybody's shaking their heads. <laughs> they remember. Look, these guys all, to me, it's all one blur. So maybe I'll be quiet and you guys tell me, did well, we ever I, get stuck? Yeah. We got stuck Does he have all to be a lawyer? the time. What do you mean? Why is this oh, so hard? Why easy? <laughs> we, we got stuck all the time. Anna, we got stuck on that. We got stuck on the question from the, from the very beginning yeah. because it was always like, it was always, oh, when is he yeah. going to be Saul Goodman? Right. Like, what is it like? And when what, I watch, what does it mean to be Saul Goodman? Yeah. When I rewatch the first bunch of Saul episodes, I see us searching for what the hell is yeah. this show? It's because I wasn't there That's yet. That's right. So Allison was not when there. When I joined, so we, we no longer were lost. Yes. Yeah. I guess we were lost for three seasons until <laughs> Allison showed yeah. up. Um, so, yeah, the. So, Breaking Bad, I, feel, I watched that show, and I was not there in the early season, but I watched it, and I feel like it kind of. It knew what it was in the beginning, and Saul was, we were searching, and I didn't, I mean, Gordon's first episode, I felt like, really locked it on Mike, mm -hmm. and the, the mic of it, but I, it wasn't until, like, episode seven did I feel like we started to understand who Jimmy was, mm -hmm. and that's when we first started coming up with the competition between the jealousy of Chuck McGill, that really helped us expand what the story was and, and that i think that's also the episode where he um tries to seduce kim by offering an office and, and it's when that was when and by you know why why don't and i that was when we i think we had an image that what's what's jimmy's ideal world and and i think in our hearts jimmy's ideal world was that chuck leaves hhm and they the three of them have an office together in the sky in this in this in this glass tower and jimmy has chuck all to himself and 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 has chuck's love and respect and he's got kim's love and they all get to practice law and jimmy's kind of the happy baby uh and and that was and you know that really killed me when i when i i think we and i remember that because that was actually the episode we were breaking when we started shooting that was the episode we were breaking during the pilot which I remember because after ever after that, I always thought, well, if we're up to episode seven, by the time we start shoot, shooting episode one, we'll be okay. That was my that was my benchmark for the the subsequent seasons, and um, just that image of him showing her the office, and she's not quite willing to go there, and the using the the uh, legal partnership as a proxy for a romantic partnership or as a almost as an accompaniment. I think, I think he really wanted, he wanted both. And, you know, he sort of got it when they got Wexler McGill, but, but boy, he would have really liked it to be Wexler McGill and McGill. That really would have been his perfect world. I, I, yeah, I also, I, I also think it, it was not, it feels, doesn't feel coincidental, at least in my memory that the direction for the show started to become clearer at that moment because we started to see what the show we were making really looked like and like we got to see we got to see mckeon yes in action we yes. got to see ray in action we got to see kind of like what these people were like as as people and it doesn't bother me I, it, it does also feel part of the journey that he that that jimmy is such he's such a searcher and he's still he's so trying like those first episodes of trying on masks without kind of knowing what, which way to go and just jumping at shadows you know is is still subsumed into the rest of the journey but like that was the point where like oh i see it i and see it, it helped develop his character too because we were searching like what and it always ended up jimmy always taking on some other characters 
trade. Like That's right. Kim was <laughs> interested in elder law, so what am I going to do? I'm going to do elder law. Or you know, Chuck would say something, and he'd go that direction. So we was always we were always directing uh, Jimmy off of what other characters were saying and doing. He's <laughs> because he was he was a searcher. You know, talking about just just more on a TV writer inside thing. There's also, and I don't know how much of this is is has to do with this particular show, but Breaking Bad shot a pilot, and then the room opened, and we and and we started the show. This show was that you know that thing that everybody fantasized yeah we're going straight to series uh and but i do think that there's uh, a huge advantage to writing while you're in I, I hate it because it's so stressful but writing while you're in production and breaking especially in the early seasons uh and so you know it, it, if we had if we had written or tried to write the whole first season before we knew that michael mckeon was going to play charles mcgill it would have been a completely different show. And it really, it, it's, it, I think that that's one of the differences between series television and, for instance, doing a miniseries, where usually, you know, with a miniseries, you've got this, I, I would imagine, uh, the script, one miniseries that I wrote that was unproduced, the scripts were all written. And, you know, so there's no way, I mean, you'd have to, I mean, you can always rewrite things to, to react, but you're not going to ch- re-break the whole story. And it's it's um I don't know it's an interesting thing I was I was having I'm now you know having discussions about other shows and thinking about what aside from the the you know obviously you don't want the uncertainty of knowing is the show going to go or not that's that's tough but maybe there's an advantage to shooting to casting and shooting a pilot and looking at what you have and then see extrapolating from there because that's ultimately that's exactly how we work we watch the show in detail and try to learn from it and then and then extrapolate from what's already been done rather than reach for something that we wish we could do uh, and i'm thinking about this a lot because obviously we're all we're all all of us here i'm weeping inside as i said all moving on to other projects which, which is it's so crazy because i think i i also would have been like no wouldn't it be great if you just write this season and then shoot it isn't that isn't that the dream to just be able to like not worry about what the actors or production are doing, but it's you. It's it is a it is a team sport. <laughs> it is a team sport, top to bottom, and like having it's it's like asking somebody to walk with like, but like imagining what their left leg is or something. Just just imagine it. It's gonna be there. You'll figure it out. But take the first step. Go with your right leg, and then then when you need to take it, it's 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 amazing. But like knowing what a pilot is and being able to like see what production is going to do i like it's across the board and throughout throughout the process because our production team is so incredible and they give us such valuable feedback and and without learn about the show you learn about the show all the time from from just people who are thinking about it from a different direction and so much is about chemistry right you want you get a sense of the chemistry between the characters you guys talk all the time about how you know breaking bad would be a completely different show if you didn't have aaron paul um, and, and I think, you know, we talked about this years ago in finding Kim and sort of, you know, seeing what Ray brought to that character. Tom, you mentioned that, you know, the characters tell you where the story goes. And I think the actors inform those characters in so many ways. Uh, it's, it, you, you know, you can misinterpret that i'm just going to sure. put an asterisk i'm going to put an asterisk 
because I mean, obviously actors have sometimes great insights and great opinions that they'll share and, and that's great. But the real contribution a performer makes the most significant is in the performance itself. So in other words, you watch what is being done and it's one thing to kind of, you know, talk about it in theory and, 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 and theorize about the actors or talk about lines of dialogue and things like that, which is all useful, but it's when you see it, when you see it, like Allison says, when you see the chemistry, that's, that's decisive. And, uh, it's undeniable too, because it, it, it's no longer a discussion. It's something that you can observe in front of you. And that's incredibly powerful. Um, let's talk about that character's telling you where the story goes and you know you the writer's room having ideas about where this heads uh and then the character's telling you maybe it's a different direction maybe it's a parallel direction um as you start to wind down a series you know these these characters don't want to end uh they don't want to end their story so how do you start to funnel those stories into like what were conversations in say season five and leading to the end about how we start to manage the story and the pace of it and just take us inside the room. Well, we talked a lot about Nacho. Yeah. You know, we had we had many thought experiments about how he might survive, should he survive, can he survive, what would his father's path look like, do we lose the father but the son survives. You know, we, we, we really dug in to, to that storyline to try to find um, the... The, the climax that would honor the character, uh, be true to the character, be true to what felt like a tragic path that had an almost ultimately, even though we experimented with non-tragic endings, it felt like a tragic inevitability. But, but how could we do it in a way that would also honor him? So that's an example I always think of, of, of just it felt in our communal gut, like we each have our own gut and then we have our organism, <laughs> communal writer's room gut, uh, that he wasn't going to make it. Um, but it was the how yeah. that we really had to dig into. And, and certainly on this show, when I say the characters tell us which way to go, it's a little bit of a cheat too because there's Breaking Bad and there is a direction we have to go. And so how do we get there? And we flowchart the hell out of all these characters. So a lot of it of the characters tell us where they go, we will flowchart, what if this happens? What if this happens? And then it's there's a gut reaction of this, we have an emotional reaction, just one of the flowcharts. And it's like, oh, that's, I think that's what I mean when I say the characters tell us where to go because we, we look at all the different paths and the one that tugs at our heartstrings or the one that gives us the biggest bang for our buck as far as emotion, that's that's where we go. Um, but then we also have to hit this target that is Breaking Bad and, and make sure things make sense in a way, which was very difficult. And, you know, there's a couple of things that we didn't quite get away with, I don't think. But I think for the most part, I think we line yeah, – you're looking at me like – I'm curious. We, well, yeah. it's the – it's. You watch Breaking Bad, and it's Saul saying, "Hey, honey tits," and "Hey, sweet cheeks," and there's the the way he talks to Francesca and and women in general that is didn't quite line up with the Jimmy McGill I know. I mean, you could also say that you know the mass becomes the man, and he over the years we skipped that that he just calcified and and started you know talking to to Francesca like that. And I think we tried to put something in with Francesca giving back as good as she gets. And it was just part of their routine, but uh, it didn't quite fit in the episode. But we also, um, and I think Peter's talked about this in, in other interviews, um, 
I think it was around season three where we did start talking about the ending and I think it was more just there was an idea you know there was an image and we we got excited about that and so I think that once that was on the table we were sort of moving towards that from what I recall and that was Jimmy McGill in prison you know and and so that was a nice that was a pretty good marker for us yeah yeah, um, at a certain point it kind of felt like we you know we were sort of moving to two different inevitabilities you know Jimmy becomes Saul you know these you know pillars Gordon you know you were talking about you know what part you know what things does Jimmy need to lose in order you know for this mask to be necessary um and then we have our future gene storyline you know once once we kind of had this idea of maybe maybe Saul goes to jail you know then it's okay so we have you know the one marker Jimmy becomes Saul the second marker Saul goes to jail you know and that sort of you know and in in those moments you know organically you know where's the character's head at what does the character want if Jimmy McGill wants acceptance he wants love he wants respect what's he doing to achieve that if Kim wants meaning and significance and she wants to help people and she also wants to be with Jimmy what's she doing to achieve that and that's sort of you know organically kind of how we've been we've been building it yeah. and I, I will also say I mean I think one thing I think to, to me this, the way I think about the process on on both of the shows which has been very instructive to me because people talk about like oh do you guys go in and then you just you just kind of map out the season and like, right you just do that and then you can sort of write the episodes based on that and, and it's like so you're writing towards something or you figure out where you're going in the end and I tend to think that we work backwards and it's we say all right where have we been and what does that tell us about where we have to go and so one of the things that felt like we, we, which we did talk about, that felt like, okay, we have this structure that's been that's felt right about how Mike and Jimmy relate and how their worlds relate, how there's kind of a not a quite not quite a bifurcation, but there's a, a parallel track that sometimes there's these two two storylines, two main bodies of the story that sort of shoot shots at each other as they're as they're going. And we're like, they have to collide. <laughs> like just architecturally. It was like just knowing that we've been there and knowing like, okay. The, there's a reason that we're telling the story this way. What, how do these inform each other? How do they? How are they going to come to a head? And they, you know, and then we we sort of talked about like what that could look like. And clearly, it, it comes to an incredible head in in Tom's uh, amazing episode this season, uh, episode seven. And uh, that's that. But but that was something we kind of knew from the structure and knew from where we'd been and knew from how, the story that we were telling that like. We gotta do that. That that has to be a thing. Like that, I don't know what it is, and like, what could it be? But like, it just it just was there. So like, we're gonna do it. And and to and to that also, you know, we really wanted to give Patrick Fabian some really, you know, it, it's there was I can't remember what season, but we, there was a season where we were very light on on the character, and I think that as we we were headed towards the the last season that was also if i remember correctly a priority because we love you know we love patrick as a as an actor and as a person and we really wanted to give that character his due that that's a great point because once chuck was gone Mm -hmm. at the end of season three it was like well what how what is howard's role on the Mm -hmm. show what 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 and you know that would come up 
you know, at the, you know, at the at, at certain points in the season, especially when you're starting a new season, you have to think about who, you know, who's who are the regular cast members? How many? And there's just the logistics of how many episodes are you saying? You know, is this person seven out of ten? Is this person ten out of ten? Is this person if we don't need him much? Is he just is he just a guest star? And I I always wanted, you know, you have to be a little cold blooded because you're trying to produce a TV show. Uh, but at the same time, I think our instinct was always that he was very important uh, and that in some ways he and Jimmy were, I mean, it's, it's a weird thing to say. They're a little bit about like Chuck's two sons, you know, that's a little, there's a little Cain and Abel there and, and you don't want to have just Cain, you need Abel too. Uh, but it, and it's the devil, like we always say, is in the details. And we talk very theoretic. we're talking real theoretically here, but in, in the room, you shift back and forth between talking very in these very theoretical terms and then just saying, well, what if he did this? Well, what, Nacho's stuck in Nacho's stuck in Mexico. How's he going to get out? Well, he could do this. What if he went south? You know, what if he, you know, what if he, uh, what if he, you know, hit, hit a cartel, uh, a cartel guy and, and then bought a fake passport and then went to, to Portugal? Well, guess what? He's screwed. He's screwed because they've got his dad. That doesn't help. And so you just you keep gaming. It's it's what it's Tom practical. was calling Tom was calling flow charting. But it's it is that's exactly what we spend a lot of time going. What are the options for this person? What would they? What could they do? What if? Okay. What if he just you know climb climbs into a hole and covers himself up in mud? You know, it, it, and it, it's it's a lot of um. There's a lot of that, and that's I, I think I'm just thinking because our conversation sounds super heady uh and 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 but i think it's it's we're kind of there's the yin and the yang of it there's the there's the uh, the talking about it in general terms or in psychological terms really helps you because it helps you formulate the question and then you ask the question and then you come up with many many answers and one of them feels right you're, you're looking at this multiverse for this character right this everything everywhere all at once yeah. for I mean, yeah. Saul, for not yeah, for everyone we did talk a, little, a lot about do can we have Patrick back? I mean, is Patrick still on the show after yes. Chuck dies? Yeah. And thankfully, once we realize that he's going to take on the guilt for Chuck's death the way Jimmy should take on the guilt, then he became very important to the show. I also want to just chime in and say this: how good this is to all be here because we did this whole sixth season over Zoom. And oh, really? That's yeah. true. We That's didn't get right. to be with each other. I think this is and the first time we've been in the same room. Oh my yeah. Since yeah. three and years? So two we're, years? Oh. We, listen, we have all day. <laughs> we're getting to talk oh. to each other without having to sit there with our hand raised. <laughs> oh. It's awful. I hate that. Oh my God. Why do we raise our hands? <laughs> I actually was so about to raise Interrupting each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just do that. Have a conversation. Exactly. <laughs> It was embarrassing when we had to raise our hands, but I kind of got a kick out of it. There was something about like, no. we're on Zoom and Vince Gilligan's hand is raised. That was just so <laughs> poignant I, I, and bizarre. And but I had the response. I was supposed to call on people and I'm <laughs> all the, there's six, six or however many little boxes. And if I start, you know, start, you know, sometimes you look away and start thinking and if I missed something and I, I you know, there are people who will go nameless got a little shirty because they would end up having their hand up for a really long time and I wouldn't call on them. And it, it was it was a nightmare. Uh, it's a bunch of grouchy fifth graders, really. But you can, I mean, it's interesting because even you can hear it the difference once you said that because mm -hmm. we've been going very sequentially mm. here in this conversation <laughs> mm -hmm. and that's because we've been we've sort of trained oh, ourselves no. to like hold your thought yeah until someone's finished speaking and then speak because that's how you have to do it on zoom right. otherwise the whole software falls apart it's, right. it's a brilliant software but like 
it doesn't do well when two people are speaking because it doesn't know who to prioritize. Right. So like here, you can just be like, oh, oh yeah, and like you can hear. With, well, it's just it's just good podcast editing. Yeah. also. no, Come it's on. better. <laughs> it's also the when I was that was one of the first things I learned in the writers' room on Breaking Bad was that you know sometimes you have there's there are these wonderful moments where everybody wants to talk at once mm. and everybody's got an idea and I would always have a pad of paper in front of me because I would write down, I would jot down my note about what I wanted to say and then it was always the most irritating thing is someone else someone else would say it and then I'd just sit there and cross it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And then if it was rejected, you would feel like, phew, but if it was the great idea I, of the day. I, yeah. I, I never thought, I, I, I hate to say it, I never, maybe... I don't really worry about whether something gets rejected. I just feel like as long as you get the, the keep the ball rolling, mm. that you're doing your job. It's not really about hitting a hole in one. Mm. It's about it's about lots of. I'm not I'm not a golfer, uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna just I'm gonna get rid of. I'm gonna lose that metaphor right now. I agree with what you're saying and had enough experiences early on where I realized that the idea that saves the day one day turns out to be the shitty idea the next day and vice versa that I, I started to, to let go. Well, let's, let's uh, talk about some of these shitty ideas. Um, <laughs> listen, you can now look back on all of these seasons of television uh, of Saul and there has to be stuff that got away. There had to be wrong roads, you know, again, in the multiverse of these characters. Oh, yeah. What was I'm curious to hear about stuff that either was exciting to you at the time that you just couldn't make work or um, just general sort of why did we why did we go down that road? This is not a bad idea, but very yeah. early on before. I mean, we thought he was going to be Saul Goodman at the end of mm -hmm. season one, and we always talked about dancing through the raindrops or, or walking through. I thought that was going to be the whole show, and thank God it wasn't. Yeah. Because what, was just, what was Dancing Through the Raindrops? Dancing Through the... I'm sorry, uh, for the podcast listeners. Bad. Dancing Through the Raindrops was taking our character, Saul Goodman, through the universe of Breaking Bad and seeing a bunch of scenes yeah. that we didn't see on the Breaking Bad show and somehow connecting them with what was yeah. going on in oh, Saul's it, life. It's an impossible puzzle. We we, we talked about, we used to talk about uh, <laughs> uh, D.W. Griffith's movie, which is, you know, he's a horrible, was a horrible person, but uh, Intolerance, uh, where, you know, it, and which structurally is really interesting. They're all laughing at me. Uh, just so you, listeners, because it, 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 it cuts through different eras and then they go really fast. And I kept, I was hung up on the idea that we would have this accelerating intercuts of Saul in trouble during uh, the Jimmy McGill era, in trouble during uh, the Saul Goodman era, and then in trouble in the Gene era, all at once, and we'd go whipping back and forth. And I think the the germ of that idea is still there, but it's in one episode, which yeah. is which is Tom's episode. And instead exactly. of it being a plot chase thing, which is what that scumb never mind that bastard D.W. Griffiths no I'm sorry it's just, it's just uh, anybody, <laughs> that piece of shit anybody anybody who anybody who re-energizes the Ku Klux Klan is is kind of not in my good books uh but the controversial uh, take the uh, that's my personal take it's a hot take uh it's, it's, anyway there's Tom's Tom's pulling on his collar uh so anyway you, you that actually lives a little bit in that that yes uh, exact Tom's episode, episode. yes yeah. that's really interesting um, not to throw you under the bus, Peter, but there was a, an idea <laughs> that I'm glad we didn't do, which was in your and Vince's first pitch document. 
Do you remember oh, yeah. uh, recreating Chuck's oh, house? Oh, yeah. Chuck, <laughs> Chuck had his uh, uh, electrical, electrical, um, uh, electrical problem, but he was living in Chicago. And Jimmy had to move him to 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 Albuquerque, and the way he did it was by giving him, you know, a spiked some spiked Coca Cola. He goes out, and Jimmy has built, it, it rebuilt an exact duplicate of his of his place, down to all the piles, all the piles of newspapers, and and, and it, it would have been great. Another one, <laughs> another one, uh, I, and we also had titles for some of these. There was I always want to do an episode called Gas Station Zebra. Yeah. And I, I thought it was maybe a gas station that was uh, that was laundering money. Fire sale, fire sale was fire another sale. one. Two two rival pyromaniacs who were who were setting fire to to to, to company for for sure. profit for you know to uh, for companies to get that uh, their insurance money. Uh, there were so many, and then there we was, had the whole urine the whole yeah. urine run right. There well, was I'm that. I'm so yeah. sad we didn't do the urine run. <laughs> we should have done the urine season. Uh, Ariel, what was the urine run? <laughs> we like puns in this room, or. I enjoy a good pun. I feel like I'm in good company. Oh, we're very punny, punny office. No, we we you know we had a lot of jokes. Like every episode would be you know a urine pun. You're in trouble. You're in pain. Um, you're, you're in, in charge. Your you're in over your head. Exactly. <laughs> you're in charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was asked this question recently, and the only thing I could think of specifically was a thing that I never totally understood. You know, when you join a room <laughs> that has been. Uh, in progress for a long time. In this case, there are people who've been working together since they were teenagers. <laughs> so it really, there's really some history to catch up on. And for the most part, there was a lot of generosity. I was, thank God, shown a lot of funny videos early on so that I would understand the in-jokes. That seemed to be the most important thing, was to understand the in-jokes. But one of the stories that everyone would just, you know, mourn that we weren't able to do it was something about a cowboy. I still don't oh, yeah. totally understand. That, that's <laughs> it was a, a cowboy. That's a good something about a cowboy. Yeah. That's my New Yorker story. Yeah, so that'll be our future show. There's one, uh, that the cowboy, I believe, was Breaking Bad specifically, was pitching that. I think that was being pitched like when I was hired in season three. <laughs> and I'd, I'm like, what is what is being talked about in the room? Like, I'm, you know, a PA listening and trying to get my bearings. And I, 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 I never made... Never quite came together. It was just like a flashback to the 20s? To the 1800s that there, there was a cowboy. And for some reason, this cowboy drops something that is later right. found by Walt in the desert right. that helps him get out of a situation. And it, right. just, it never... It, yeah. would, the, it would be, it would be a, a series of runners. Yeah. And, I, you know, I do think... Here's the thing. I think sometimes it's... I think with these ideas that are... And I remember that one. There was a lot of bad feeling in the room. Because we spent a couple of days talking about this. I think you kind of have to get through it to the other side. That's my theory. I, yeah. I don't think you can nip things. Sometimes there's the intention of like, oh, I, I don't like where that's going. Let's just, let's cut that off. But the weird thing is sometimes, some, and I think, I'll state it here for the first time, I think the cowboy lived in on in Gene Takovic. Because mm. I think I think the the cowboy idea was a series of runners that kind of had their own story that connected to the main story, and I think that Gene Takovic kind of it was kind of the same idea, uh, except that Gene didn't ride yeah. a horse. Or there's, <laughs> and it was in the future. But also, I think the, the, your point though of letting things go and be like, let it just let it roll. Like if it's mm-hmm. gonna, I think something that I've that that we we do in this room that I think is great is be like, all right, what if we just what 
taking it out. There's a there's a phrase that I, I don't think a lot of people use because I've, I've used it in another room and they went, what are you talking about? Which is not pitching something, but literally saying we're going to make a thought experiment, which is like take the pressure off it. Like I'm saying we should do this, but just pretend that this happened and let it roll. And uh, and sometimes you get things that are useful and sometimes you forget a direction that's useful. Uh, and sometimes you get something, a storyline that like we, we had a storyline. This is one from this show in this is the this was this was not the rebreak from episode seven it was the rebreak from episode eight of the show uh where we had this idea because we thought he had to get to be Saul Goodman and so we're like okay great what if he takes this like young car thief under his wing and like this was how he gets his Cadillac right so we're like maybe he's he decides somebody crosses him and we had this whole storyline worked out and like how he's this sort of sees this young woman who's like this needs representation yeah we, we <laughs> kind of had in mind the actress Mae Whitman sure. as an archetype for this this role and we kept pitching like maybe we could bring this character in. and and it it was the wrong time and it was completely the wrong time we had to cope we had to cool our jets but the kind of the DNA of that sort of reappears in season four, mm. where Saul is re- is uh, you know doing the 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 what do you call it the scholarship mm. for, for scholarship committee, and he has this young woman who has this impassioned speech to about like be true to yourself and so on and so forth. And so like there there's something that like we had this idea, we we had it for a while, we developed it quite a bit, and then we were like this is wrong when uh, because it was hitting at that point when we were starting to see what the show actually was mm-hmm. but it stuck around because you let because we let it go because we like were able to kind of run with it and sort of let it be an idea that we were interested in and then it you know pieces of that sort of yeah, stay yeah. true and it becomes pieces this of that concentrated sort of mm-hmm. thing that is something else right yeah exactly the phrase Vince always had which I love is that the, maybe the bad idea will lead to the good idea it's mm-hmm. just like just let the bad ideas mm-hmm. go keep yeah. keep going and then you'll Mm-hmm. Suddenly, there's a group aha moment mm-hmm. where you, as another phrase Vince uses, I felt like I took a huge shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's where you just you just feel jammed up and j- you're jammed up for days and for weeks sometimes, mm-hmm. just stuck on something. Like, how do we mm-hmm. get out of this, or what do we do? Is this this is bad? The story's not working, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, now I get it. I honestly think that that is it's a huge reason why the show is so good, if mm-hmm. it is so good, and I think it is so good. I think it is, is we because we, we had the time. Yeah. Yeah, we had yeah. the time, and and so I don't know uh, if this is true for all of us, but I I'm worried about yeah. not having time in the future because you have to have the time to do the thought experiment, to have the bad idea, to imagine what it could be, and throw that out. Um, that yeah. was all part of the process of figuring out what the right thing might but, be. But you know, this is this is where I I I my advice to other showrunners is they don't give you the time; you take it. You have to say what you need. Yeah. You have to fight for because there's nothing more expensive than a story that doesn't work and if you if you take the time in the room to break it right it's going it even if there are production problems even if there's all kinds of other my experience is if we get the story right then it's all gonna it's gonna click together eventually some version will click together but if you don't if you if you if you if you leave it half baked uh it's you're never gonna fix it and and that's I, I don't. That's that's my that's my that's that's the thing I I've learned from from this experience, and uh, and I I feel like that's the, the part of the showrunner's job or the producer's job, is to fight for and it's you know it is maybe it's expensive I don't know it's certainly less expensive than having a crew shoot an extra day 
Uh, so, and I, I, and it's, it's, I, I can't emphasize enough how I think that having that time makes a huge, huge difference. And also, you know, there's a lot of ways of running. I think that when you're doing a serialized show like ours, there's no substitute for everyone just sitting around yeah. and goofing, goofing. And also for running a room where people aren't scared of saying the wrong thing. If you, as soon as you have one person who's starting to shoot things down or has an attitude or is like, or starts, you know, shitting all over pitches that's, that's, that, that can't, that can't go on. That's it's, it's it, because you're, it's, you, what is the point of having everybody in the room if, if they can't speak? Yeah. And so it's, it's, and it's weird because sometimes the most important thing that some someone will not say anything for a couple of days and then they'll just ask a question and say, I wouldn't do this. You know, I wouldn't do, if somebody said that to me, I wouldn't do it. And then you go, oh, wait a minute. What does that, what does that mean? And it's, and it's, so anyway, that's, uh, that's my argument for doing things exactly what we do at no other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like this show kind of ruined me for that because <laughs> I, you know, I've worked on a few other shows uh, prior to this and then, after our room closed and we did not have the time i mean i don't know another show that would have the time that we have and it, it terrifies me because you're go i mean i just i i sat in other rooms and they moved so quickly and didn't have the time to really explore every idea and you there's a you know you can see the difference i mean it's not that that's gonna i mean the show is automatically not gonna work it just it just in my mind it doesn't feel complete you know that you're maybe leaving something on the table and then you have to move on and for me personally that i i can't it's hard for me to live with that you know and so yeah like i I hope that, and you know, going into this show, I mean, it's very unusual because Peter and Vince, you know, there was, I mean, there was all this goodwill and ever because of, of Breaking Bad, and that's a very unique situation. So how, you know, how are we going to replicate that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, let me, let me ask all of you, and Gordon, we'll start over here and work our way around. What will you take with you um, from this experience? How can you apply it to rooms you'll run, uh, shows you'll create, the writing you'll do? <laughs> God, I, 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 uh, wow. Uh, that's very cruel of you to start with me. Um, I don't know. I, I think I, I will take all, all of it. It's, it's, it's a model that I, I feel like um, makes sense to me, that I understand now. It is like, okay, it's let it go blue sky, you know, go, go blue sky. That's, that's sort of the looking at the sky and it's wide open and you can do whatever you want. And then going brick by brick, there's just no value better. We, we say, we, we kind of ask this question always and it's like, are we ready to go brick by brick? And that just means like, are we ready to proceed one step at a time where when you lay that brick, it's like you're, you're building a house and it's the right direction and we're sure of it. And so that, degree of surety I think allows allows for serialized shows it means that all the writers know what's happening pretty clearly you know all of us know so that you know if somebody has to go to set or if somebody has to is out writing 
you that everybody knows what's going they, when they come back in they 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 can look up at the board and they can see the cards and they can be like that's what we're doing mm-hmm. okay great and then proceed from there so it's sort of just always proceeding from first principles and like i say oh for me it's it i don't know if this is methodological or what but just going okay what do we know about the characters from what we've done that's yeah. that the, let that be the thing that steers you rather than like what's the cool thing i can mm-hmm. do in the future um and then you kind of know you're in good stead so I don't know. There's just a, there's there's so many tools that that I've learned. Um, those are just a few of them that that I will hopefully take forward if anyone ever decides to hire me again. I want to ask as we start to wrap up um, a couple of things, Peter. One of the times we spoke, uh, you talked about. The Better Call Saul episode of Breaking Bad being one of the most difficult uh, episodes to write and execute because you were so worried about bringing this character to the Breaking Bad world. Was he too big? Was he was it sticking, you know, Bozo the Clown in the middle of this of the Godfather? Um, over these years, have you ever stopped worrying? Uh, I've never stopped worrying about. <laughs> no, I never stop. And I, I never stop worrying about this this stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, look. I, I mean, I just it's 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 my personality. I'm chronically insecure about everything, and that's one of the reasons I love the writers' room. Is that is that sometimes if if I feel like if if we can all if a bunch of us can get behind this idea, that's my barometer. Uh, and that's my barometer. Okay, that I know, and we've kicked it, kicked it every which way, and I'm, I'm frustrating in the room because I'll keep going. Eh, you know, what would you do? And you know, and and the truth is, at some point, you have to commit. You have to commit, and and sometimes you have to commit to an idea that yes, you can see a flaw in, but it's still the right thing. And you, at that point, when you leave the room, uh, you carry on. Uh, you know, it's it's the it's 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 from um you know if you act if you don't have faith act as if you had faith and you have to you have to believe you have to you will it into belief but it's the writer's room for me that where uh we get to to stress test all of it and 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 by the way i think the other thing about it is that's i really enjoy the process i mean it's it don't look like i'm enjoying myself because i'm pulling my hair out and i'm worried and and it, it is always you know i'm always thinking well how many days have we been working this I, I always will ask how many days have we been working on this one we've been working oh what, what we've been on this for eight days and we haven't got a card up what the hell is going oh god oh god and then i think about wait we got how many episodes we've got 12 more Wah! so you know it, there's there's a there's a lot of fear involved but the um I didn't. I felt a different fear uh, on Breaking Bad, which was I wanted. I didn't want to break the show. I loved the show. I wanted to come through for everybody. And then coming up, you know, Saul Goodman, he just didn't seem like he fit. Uh, and it, what what I learned, and which I didn't really understand at that point, was how elastic the the world of the show was. And I think that's what I hope. Whatever I work on next. I hope it's as elastic because I think it's much more interesting to uh, to have the show go to unexpected places that are right for the character 
rather than saying, okay, this is the box, this is the show, and we're going to do this, and this is what it is, and wait, no, you can't, don't color outside the lines. And I, that I get the sense sometimes um, that that's that sometimes that's a people are afraid that that a show is going to be inconsistent in itself, and that's the thing I've learned not to worry about. As as long as the characters are consistent, whether the visual style or the storytelling or 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 the tone. And people talk about tone a lot. I don't worry about tone. Uh, and, and, and I think tone comes from, if, if you start from the character and you're really true to that, then all the rest of it comes in train. That's what's so fun about writing the show, is that it, it's so varied. You get to work so many different muscles. And I, I actually wanted to answer your question from earlier. <laughs> Let me have it. <laughs> because I, I'm a little bit obsessed. Wait, we moved on. No, I'm going no, to Tom. We'll Tom, Tom. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm speaking. I'm ben, speaking. take control here, Ben. <laughs> this, this is exactly what it's like in the room. And that's what I, I wanted to say is that Tom Schnauz does not let me speak. No, yeah. Not at all. Opposite. What I wanted to say is that I'm, I've been obsessed for a long time about the culture of writers' rooms because I feel it is a microcosm for how we treat each other and how we can collaborate or not. And the the culture of the show is very special. And in terms of like trying to recreate or move forward with things that we've learned, to be able to combine a sense of, of decisive leadership that, that you know things are going to be submitted on time and decisions will be made when they need to be made while still welcoming and encouraging the individual voices, not only in the room, but on the page, in the scripts, is incredibly rare and amazing. And it is it creates a kind of mor morale in the room and a dedication to the show. And the reason we're, I think we're so excited to sit here and talk about it now is because our, our voices were honored in that way and included as long as the individual writer is willing to, to rise to the occasion. Um, it, 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 it's pretty unique. So yeah. I hope to, to pay that forward if possible. <laughs> Don't let Tom speak anymore. We're going to lead that off. Yeah, can you cut Tom's mic? Um, I want to wrap up by asking you all, um, and Peter, I'm going to embarrass you maybe a little bit with this question. Um, <laughs> it feels to me like the end of Better Call Saul is both inevitable and uh, the way things ended is both inevitable and satisfying and surprising. And I think, you know, listening again to you talk at the end of season three about how sad that where he was headed was going to be made it even more surprising that I think we got a happy ending. And I think you're a bit of a romantic. I think you're a bit of a sap in that way. Um, can you talk about like this post? You, we knew that we were going to break up uh, Jimmy and Kim. But then we have a bunch more episodes to live in and then to see them come back together in this very sweet way. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, look, it's I think maybe you know, maybe I am a romantic, but it's uh, I, I you know, I, it's surprise. That's one thing we just showed the episode just screened last night. So I'm still kind of assimilating what what the reaction I'm getting because uh, mostly up to now I've just been worried, you know, worried about things like running time and cuts and whether, you know, pieces of dialogue that should or should not, should or should not have gone in and, and, and the way that Dave's Porter's magnificent music kind of saved the day several times. Um, 
So, but I'm just starting to see the episode and well, really the series as a whole. And I think, I think you're right. And that's the thing that surprised me the most was that you're like, a, there are a couple of people like you have said that it's a happy ending. This is an ending where we've got a character who's, who's, you know, her life has been shattered. She's, and she's, uh, people know what she's done and she's, you know, at the pot target possibly of a lawsuit that could consume her life for years and the other main character who's left alive and by the most of them most of the characters are dead at this point uh the other characters left alive is in in federal prison facing a very long sentence so the fact that those two ideas can coexist that that's that those are the facts of the case and yet it feels like a happy ending um it, it feels very fulfilling to me because it, it it tells me that 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 you the you Ben have watched the show and understand the characters and understand for these characters that's the most they could hope for and and that's that's beautiful because I did not expect the audience to see it that way I expected uh, people to feel very sad and I, frankly I thought people were going to be angry uh, because you know he doesn't he doesn't win in the end. And, you know, Walter White, and, you know, I can't help comparing the shows because I worked on them both. And because uh, a Breaking, Bad, Breaking Bad was also, well, it was a formative experience of my creative life was working on Breaking Bad and seeing, uh, you know, the, I mean, it was like riding a tidal wave towards the end. And some of you guys were there with it. And it was amazing. Uh, but break, break, he wins in the end and it's a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's incredibly kinetic and this show the character the big moment is the character talks for like five minutes straight in a black and white courtroom (laughs) so the fact that it lands for you ben and and i guess for a couple of people is just incredible it it just shows that we we really because i i was of two minds i looked at it from what i thought was an audience point of view and i'm like oh boy you know i people people may or may not like this but then i looked at it from the show point of view and i said this is the only way we can go and so i i, I instead of having giving into the fear and then and adding some element or trying to make it something that it wasn't we stuck with yeah. the show we kind of danced with the one that brung us and uh, uh i knew that if we did that at least we'd feel good about it and the fact that you feel good about it makes me feel Great. <laughs> uh, I want to. Uh, I want to go to Ariel, and you were going to add something, and then Gordon, and then Tom. Oh, I, w- I was going to say, I, I like. I really something I really love about the finale um, is that he. I know he he doesn't technically win. He does, you know, gets a very long sentence when he could have had a much shorter one. But the fact that he could have had a shorter one, that in the end he does, yeah. he does prove he could have won. Yeah, you it know, feels and very subtle. Right? It does. It yes, feels right to the character. You know, and and in a way, kind of a little bit kind of Jimmy I mean like he always wanted to prove he could do it and he he fucking did it (laughs) and then he gave it away because that was you know that wasn't true that wasn't the truth well that's I mean and it wasn't right I think he says right in that that courtroom scene the name is Jimmy McGill yeah right and we see him why he makes that decision when he says his name it's very I'm sorry it's very midnight run what you're saying (laughs) he proves proves that he could have could have succeeded and then he lets it go in the end which, I mean, to, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to amplify what, what you're yeah. saying, I think, which is to me, he does win because yeah. I don't I don't think we've uh, so many people throughout the years have been like, yeah, but he lives. So who cares? Yeah, but he lives. Oh, what about Kim? Oh, does she live? 
ah, fine, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, and I've, I've said for, for in, in a lot of, when people have talked to me about it, and I'm just like, that's not the only thing you're charting. And the, the thing that I feel like we've been charting the whole time is the state of his soul and the state of his redemption. So to me, he wins because that's his moment of redemption. Absolutely. Because he, that's his moment of saying, I am not the worst thing that anybody could have said of me. I'm not that, I'm, I'm not that essential Oh, you've always been this way. Oh, you can only make these choices. I can make different choices. And he makes a choice that's going to cost him. And he makes a, yeah. a choice that's going to cost him everything. And he and he makes it freely. He he go he moves heaven and earth to make it. Yeah. So to me it feels like that redemption of him internally. All the external circumstances are shit. But like that internal circumstance has shifted so dramatically that it, it feels like a win. It almost feels like the Saul that served seven years is the Sauliest Saul who ever sawed. <laughs> yeah. But the Saul but the Saul who's in there for eighty years is Jimmy. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that's a beautiful way to put it. Uh Tom, give us the last word. Oh, I was just gonna say it was interesting to hear Peter say he was looking at it from an audience perspective because I feel like that's something we've tried Absolutely. not to do. Yeah. Yes. Every once in a while... And you've we'll, talked about it on this podcast. Yeah. Every once in a while we'll say, oh, the fans will love this. But we do. Right. We have this line or this nod. You know, you know, Jesse Pinkman comes and says this particular thing. But I think for our general success over the years, we've always tried to make us happy mm -hmm. and not worry about, oh, is the audience going to like this or not? <laughs> I feel like as long as we get to the end of a... You put that last card up on the board... And we all feel like, okay, this is yeah. this is good. We can move on to the next episode. That's always been a good marker of whether we've succeeded or not. I think just trying to make ourselves happy. Yeah, and I think even you know, in a next to that, it, beyond making yourselves happy, it's it feel always feels like you were making the show you wanted to watch. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's one a testament to this incredible room that that uh, has worked together for so long um, and has been so democratic. Um, but also the involvement that each of you has, like so many of you have directed episodes and, and come up through the ranks and all of that. Like I, uh, there's something to the fabric of the show that is all of you. Um, there's no question there. Uh, and now it's over. And now it's over. Um, can any of you, we may cut this out. Can any of you talk about what you're doing next? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Honestly, I have a couple of irons in the fire. Whether yeah. they take, I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's just the nature of the business. Crying? A lot of crying. Do some crying? I mean, let, let's talk about those, and, and we'll end it here. Like, how do you start to process uh, the, again, this, the finale was on last night as we we're recording this, and so this is all still very raw. It's still very fresh for you. How do you start to move on from this experience. I'm going to clean out my office right after we're done here. <laughs> um, but I cried at the end of Breaking Bad. I haven't had a, like a big emotion because it's been weird. It's been because we've been over Zoom. Yeah. We haven't been together. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And um, yeah. I, but I it was weird. I had a dream last night about crying about this show and my wife trying to cover me in the dream. <laughs> And it, but mm. yeah, it was it was odd. <laughs> so I feel like it's going to hit me at some point. I just don't know when. It keeps it hits me. It keeps hitting me because mm -hmm. there's been various points along the line. Um, and this, you know, this show has been like it's literally like the entirety of my career. So uh, it's I don't know. I don't really but also know how to like process the entirety it. of your twenties, basically. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Twenties. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being generous. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah, no, it's the, a variety of parts of my life. Uh, have been in, involved in this show yeah. and 
yeah, I, I remember I had a, I think I had a moment. I, I, process, I, I can't quite process it, but um, I was in Albuquerque during the shooting of um, uh, 612 when I wasn't on set uh, because uh, Jen, my partner, was, was there producing. And so we brought the cats and we rented a house. And so I was doing my other work and, and hanging with the cats. And, and there was this one day and it was, it was out of nowhere. And I just, I literally sat in a room and cried for like an hour. And it was just, and it was really just all these feelings kind of hitting me about like the show and kind of the end of the year and the end of all these things. And like, and, and so I've had some moments like that where it's like, and they come out of, no, they, they really feel like came on the bus where it's like, it's it's everything and nothing that kind of sets it off. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm still mourning and probably will be mourning for a long time. And then I don't know. Figure out what else life is. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Peter, what about for you? I mean, you you've lived with these characters for so long. You've lived with these writers for so long. This has been your life and and change your life in a lot of yeah, ways yeah it's true How, you know look you still have a lot of press to do a lot, you have to live in this world for a little bit longer but when you start to think about it when you start to yeah. move on how you know what do you think about it? i just feel you know a tremendous sense of satisfaction that we were i mean what a gift that we were able to do six seasons of a television show and do it the way we wanted to and 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 it, it, that's uh, that's such a special thing and it's it's a you know i thought breaking bad was a once in a lifetime thing and it this was this was you know this was i, I just feel a tremendous sense of love for everybody who worked on the show and this is really this is a very very difficult season uh, and you know bob and i both lost our moms pretty much close uh, during it and my my wife my mother-in-law died Right, you know, right as I was about to start to direct, my mother and my mother-in-law died, uh, and I was, you know, I was really shaken up, and I still am, and I'm shaken up by the whole thing. I think I won't truly understand that the show is completely over. I think it's going to be, um, I think a big moment for me is going to be when I walk into another writer's room and start working on another show, and uh, I'm going to try to be open to it and not compare it to the experience I've had. Uh, but it's, you know, it's the, we always used to talk about the, uh, uh, I know, you know, Woody Allen's not, not in good odor at the moment, but we always talk about the, uh, the lobster in, uh, in, in Annie Hall, you know, where, you know, he's chasing with Annie, you know, the lot they're, they're going to make a lobster at a vacation home and the lobster runs away from them and they're trying to get it out from under the refrigerator. And, and, uh, they're both hysterical and laughing. And then later, you know, Woody has a different a different date, and and uh, and then she's like, I don't understand. So what? It's un- it get, just pick it up, and and, and I, I I think about that, and I think about that. You know, it's, we've all had relationships. I mean, romantic relationships, and then new romantic relationships, and it's going to be tough. Thank you, thank you, Tom. Uh, Tom's putting his hand on my knee, and he knows I don't like that uh, in public. Uh, so, but it's, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, I, you know what, I'm not even, into, I'm now just stream of consciousness. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to end my word salad and just say, um, I haven't figured it out. The, last night was big for me because, uh, a lot of us were at Bob's house mm-hmm. and he did this wonderful thing at the last minute. He decided to invite, invite all of us and all the cast members to his house, to his home. And Al Franken was there. 
Uh, and and it was, and there were a lot of us there. Not all of us were able to make it, unfortunately. But it was it was a really special yeah. moment. And I I had a little bit of sweat. You know, is are they going to like the episode? And uh, I think they did, and it made it that really made me feel good. And and uh, I, I think we're all. I think none of us are going to be the same after this. And I think we're always going to have, I'm going to feel a special place in my heart for everybody who worked on the show. And that's, that's never going to end. Well, and I think, you know, we as fans, as viewers will have a place in our heart for all of you. Like we're going to follow you all anywhere. Uh, and any show that gets you is, is lucky to have you in any sure show you, you create. Make sure you tell, tell the networks that. <laughs> Anyone listening? We walk in, if we walk in, they should just, there you, there you go. Right. 10 on air. Let's do it. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, it has been a pleasure talking to you, getting to know you all over the years. Um, and I'm so glad to see you all. Congrats on an incredible run. You're the best at this, Ben. Thank yeah. you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, we don't do other podcasts. We just, <laughs> I appreciate I that. mean, except for our own. <laughs> except for a lot of other ones. <laughs> except for the ones that ask. <laughs> <laughs> An exclusive group. It's exclusive group. Uh, thank you all. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.